Hello, I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. Today I want to share with you about the power of unity. Our unity between us and God, unity between us and one or more other people. How powerful that is. Uh, what is unity? I would say it's a state of harmony. Perfect unity is perfect harmony. And one word for this harmony is peace. And it's a peace created by love. So sometimes this, this harmony, this unity is described as the bond of peace, sometimes the bond of love, but it is really love creates the bond and the bond itself is called peace. And one of the deepest and most general principles in the Bible uh, is that unity uh, is the key to multiplication of power. Um, and this is rooted in the Trinity. The importance of unity is rooted in the Trinity because, of course, the Trinity, God himself, exists as three persons in, in oneness, oneness of being. And so there is complete, perfect unity and harmony in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's a God of peace, not confusion. God is love. He exists in a state of love and un unity. It says God is the author, is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And so when we are in unity, this is, this is a good thing, of course, um, as long as we're united to that which is good rather than something that is bad. A vision of this unity is in Revelation 22. Uh, this unity between uh, the Father and the Son, for example, and the Holy Spirit. He showed me a pure river of water of life. And this here is the power of the Holy Spirit flowing. Clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So notice this, we've got God the Father and the Lamb of God, which is, who is Christ. And they are seated in eternity on one throne. So here the two are completely one. And then it describes this river. And growing by the river is the tree of life, which bears 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit in every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So notice the picture here of total unity between the Father and Son. And as a, as a result of that unity and flowing out of that unity is, is the power, is the river of life that produces fruit, fruit, fruit and fruitfulness. And so in the same way, when we are in unity, particularly in unity with God, that unity, through that unity, the, uh, the river of anointing, the river of the Spirit flows, and it causes us to be fruitful. And so unity is essential for fruitfulness. And so what we're talking about in this message is, applies to all your relationships, especially to your marriage, to your family. It applies to the church how unity is important in, in the church, in the body of Christ, all the members in unity, all connected by the bond of the Spirit. This unity is something that's very precious that needs to be guarded. And particularly, it applies to our, the unity between us and God. And that unity between us and God is actually measured by holiness. Our holiness is how much 
we are united with God. That's what holiness means, to be set apart from to God. Uh, our unity with God is the holiness. And so the more we worship God and surrender to God, the greater the level of holiness in our life. And basically the, the key is that God can only work in your life according to how united you are to him according to your holiness. Amos said, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? If you are not in unity with God, then you can't walk with God. You, you, God can't work th through you. The greater your unity with God, you, the greater your agreement with God, the more he can work in your life. And so the power in unity is the multiplication factor that it brings into play and that's what I want to talk about. In other words, what we can achieve together, say two people, three people or whatever, is far greater than what we can do separately alone. You might think, well, two people can do t twice as much. But actually, if two people come together in unity, they can do more than twice as much, they can magnify that effect. And so the effort required to create a unity with the right person actually pays off big time because you actually don't just double but you multiply uh, your effectiveness. And I want to show you that. Leviticus 26 verse 8. It says five of you will chase a hundred. Now that's a magnification factor of times 20. If those five are in unity they are now much more effective than five individuals. They're actually equivalent to a hundred five can chase a hundred. That's a magnification factor of 20. And then it says, and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Now that's a magnification of a hundred times. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. And so the multiplication factor depends on the strength of your unity. Now you can, if you have negative unity, that is you have strife, then you have division. <laughs> And that's the opposite of multiplication. Division is negative multiplication. Forgive me, I used to be a maths teacher. Okay, so if you've got negative unity, you've got division, and actually two people are actually less effective than just two individuals because they're, they're in clashing with each other and they can get very little done. Or if you have zero unity, you're, you're just five solitary people, then, then that's a multiplication factor of one. You're just like five people. But in that scripture, we saw that five could put a hundred to flight. That's pretty good unity, what I call a 20-fold relationship, because the magnification factor is times 20. That's pretty good. But it's not the maximum possible. The maximum seems to be a hundred, because a hundred will put 10,000 to flight. That, that, is the, that is like perfect limity is a hundred-fold relationship. And, and Jesus talked about 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. That, that is the effective maximum, total unity. You can multiply your effectiveness times 100. That's pretty good. And uh, we see that at the start of the church because the church started in unity on the day of Pentecost and that created a multiplication factor of from 120 to, well, probably something like, uh, well, 3,000 men, it could have been um, six or seven thousand people. That's a pretty big magnification chapter. Let's read that. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. 
There's the unity. And so when the church gathers, the unity is essential. With one accord and one place. And if there is real unity there, God's power and what God can do is magnified from just people being on their own. And that's why God, that's one reason why God wants us all to be in a church. We're not meant to just be on our own. Uh, that isn't how God designed it. When we gather in one accord in one place, then the power of unity, the multiplication factor kicks in. Suddenly, as a, in that place of unity, God's power could be released in a big way. Suddenly there come a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And great power was released, and thousands were saved as a result. And their unity was important, otherwise God wouldn't have mentioned it. And so unity is a foundational issue. And, you know, the foundation of a building determines how high you can build. So the deeper you build downwards, the higher the building can go upwards. So the first priority is to build a strong foundation. Or we could say the first priority, actually, is to build unity. Let's say in a marriage. The first foundation is to build unity through intimacy. Th build that oneness. Before you talk about what you're going to do and all the rest of it, you need to build that unity. Because out of that unity comes the power and what can be done through that relationship. The unity is the key to fruitfulness and multiplication. You can only build something as high as the strength of the foundation permits. And that's your unity with God and your unity with the people around you. What you build together is only strong as you. If you've got tenfold unity, then it's tenfold power. But a hundredfold, hundredfold power. So it's worth investing in that unity. It's short-sighted to take your unity for granted and just go walking ahead. That's, that's why a lot of relationships go wrong. You know, they, it starts well, they, they start wonderfully, they you know, first love, and then they think, well, that's, that's established now. Let's just focus on the rest of our lives. And they stop building that unity and the power diminishes. The strength of that relationship diminishes because they've stopped investing in that unity. And so what the fruitfulness of that relationship then diminishes. And so the first priority in any fruitful relationship is unity. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? The power of unity can be good or it can be bad. It's, it's foundational. Think of a bad one, the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. Um, the unity was the key to the whole thing because all God had to do was disrupt the unity by giving them all different languages and God could stop what they did. In other words, in the same way, Satan can stop the work of a church. If he can get strife in, destroy the unity, then the power is stopped. And in the bad sense here, God had to stop what they were doing in the Tower of Babel. And the way he did it was bring confusion, bring division. Let's read that. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. And they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Because they had unity, they were able to do 
amazing things. The problem is they were things that was in rebellion to God, and so God had to stop it. He said, come, let us go down. And notice the unity within God is what is powerful. And then confuse their language that they might not understand one another's speech. And so God scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they ceased building the city. So by destroying the unity, they were not able to accomplish what they were wanting to do. So unity is essential. Our unity with God is, your, is pictured in the parable of the sower, because the seed is the word of God, the soil is the heart. And he describes different kinds of relationship there between the heart and the seed. And when a heart really embraces the seed and receives the seed and it's planted and it doesn't allow anything else to get in the way of that seed, then he says you can have a 30, 60 or 100 fold return. But if you do not guard the seed, if you let the weeds come in, if you let that unity get weakened through distraction, or if you, if you let bad things that happen um, destroy the unity, then you won't get any fruitfulness. The key is in the relationship between the soil and the seed, that is between our heart and God's heart. Your first priority must be to develop a deep unity between you and God and God's word. Isaiah 37, 31, I like this. The remnant that escaped from the house of Judah shall take again take root downward and bear fruit upward. So in other words, to be fruitful in your life, outwardly blessed, you must put your roots down deep, downward. You've got to put your roots deep into God, deep into God's word, and then when you're united to God, deep in your heart, then you will bear fruit, visible fruit in your life. But you have to focus on what's important, not so much on the outward, but on your unity with God. And that's why Satan attacks your unity with God, first of all, and your unity in your key relationships. That's, we see that in the parable of the sower. Satan is attacking and trying to undermine that because he knows you'll be fruitful. And, and that's what he says in Mark. The, the other seed fell on good, good, good ground, yielded a, a crop. This is the good ground that, that, that paid attention. That he says, who, he says, let those who have ears, let them hear. These are the ones who, who, who gave full attention to the word of God and become united to the word of God. It says, this crop increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, some 100 the, the level of results you get depends on your, the unity that you have with God. You could be a hundredfold believer. Not many believers are. But 30, 60, that's all good. Many do not bear fruit at all because they do not pay attention to their unity with God. All their attention is on outward things. And he said to them, he who has ears, let him hear. That Jesus is saying, that's the key. What is the attention you give to the word of God, to your relationship with God? He says, when he interpreted it, he said in verse 20, These are the ones sown on good ground, who hear the word, accept it, receive it, and bear fruit. Some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundred. Notice hundred is the maximum. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. In other words, the, the measure of attention, the measure of focus, the measure of investment you give 
to your unity with God, to receiving God's word, that is the measure of results you will get back. That's the measure of power that will be released. If you give 30-fold attention, you'll get 30-fold results. 100-fold, 100-fold. For whoever has, ears that hear, to him more will be given. So the key to growth is, again, your unity with God's word. If any time you spend building unity with God and with others is, is, time, is well spent. If you don't spend, for instance, in a marriage, if you don't spend any time building unity through intimacy, then you will lose what you have. That's what he says. Whoever does not have ears to hear, whoever does not give any attention to this, even what he has will be taken away. And so if, you don't, if you're not building unity deliberately, you, the unity you have will, will diminish. What you have will be taken away. Why? Because the devil is busy. Other things are busy to try and sap that away from you. Well, marriage is an example of that. You can't be fruitful, can you? You can't multiply without uniting with another person. That's how God designed it that you can only be fruitful and multiply through a union with the other person. Unity is essential to fruitfulness. He says, why? Because let's make man in our image according to our likeness. How is God fruitful? How is God powerful? It's through Father, Son and Holy Spirit in unity. And out of that flow, flows his power. And, and so it says, let, let them have dominion. And then it says, God created them male and female and blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So notice, male and female joined together, then through that unity, they are fruitful and they multiply. But although that is the ideal, of course, you don't want to marry the wrong person. Because if you are not in agreement, two people pulling in opposite directions, that doesn't give any results at all. That brings, you, you're better off single. And so when you are married, though, you, you need to make sure you marry the right person. But then you mustn't take it for granted because you have to work on that unity all the time. And if each one will focus on pleasing the other more than themselves... Um, they can continue to build stronger and stronger unity. And, and that's, what he's, that's the first command to a married couple is in Genesis 2. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. That literally means cleave, stick like glue, be united with, embrace his wife. And, and the other way around. In other words, the first command to a man and his wife, and this isn't just at the beginning, but should, is throughout the relationship, is that they are to cleave to one another and stick like glue to each other. And the rest of their life will flow out of that. And that, how do you cleave? It's by loving and receiving the love of the other one. And this cleaving is... is, is, is giving attention to is your affection is your commitment is your devotion to the other person which is then reciprocated and you are glued together and then they become one flesh which is the physical expression of that so notice the first command is to build unity how essentially by loving 
loving acts of love, words of love toward the other, build that unity. The problem came in, it sounds so simple, but the problem came in with the fall. And in Genesis 3.15 it describes what God actually predicts what will happen as a result of the fall. The problem with the fall, before it works as long as love is dominant. See, each loves the other but and also wants to possess the other. They have a desire for the other. And both are there and good, but the love must be the dominant thing. When the fall happened, love got sucked out of that whole relationship and now the dominant thing is each one's desire to possess the other the desire to have their own way and so he says your desire will be for your husband and that means your desire to control and he will rule over you so now you have a relationship where love is not the dominant thing which it should be but now it's the the desire what I want out of the relationship is now the dominant thing and now we're into the battle of the sexes we're into uh, the whole dynamic now becomes negative the answer is that love must desire is fine but love must be the dominant thing that is what builds that bond of peace that's what Ecclesiastes 4.9 says he says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor and what he's saying is two are better than one if they're in unity. They have a good reward for their labor or that which they invest in the relationship actually has a big payoff. And then he gives some examples because when you invest in the relationship, the other one will reciprocate. And the more you give into the relationship, the more the other one will give. And you develop the power of unity and actually you'll get a big payback, a big reward. And then it gives the real key in verse 12. It says, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And, and of course, God is a threefold cord. A threefold cord, by the way, is the strongest possible rope when you have three strands intertwined around each other. That's a picture of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit intertwined around each other become one. That's a picture of unity. What are the three in our case? Well, it's not just the, the man and the wife, for example, but when you invite God and the Holy Spirit to be in the middle of your relationship, now you don't just intertwine yourself around the other person, you also intertwine yourself together around the Holy Spirit. Now you become a threefold cord, three in unity, just like the Trinity, and then that becomes an unbreakable unity and God's power can be released. And that's why in Deuteronomy 24, 5, um, God says, when a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war or be charged with any public business. He shall be free at home one year and bring happiness to his wife whom he's taken. That, I love that. No, he's doing his normal job, but what he's saying is don't give that man any extra duties. Because his priority now, in the first year of his marriage, is to make his wife happy. And for her to make him happy. In other words, that is the happiness of their intimacy. So their priority must be, uh, before they get busy with other stuff, is to build their unity. Because that becomes the foundation for everything else that they are going to do. They're, the rest of their life will, is meant to flow out of their unity. And we see, saw that again in Revelation 22. 
that the pure river of the water of life proceeded from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So when the two are one and they sit on one throne, they, they share that throne, then the river of life flows out and the fruitfulness flows out from that. And so as those two come together in unity, it creates a release of God's life and power and that relationship becomes fruitful. Their prayers are magnified in power as they pray together in agreement. And the river of life flows out from their unity. That's what Matthew 18 says. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth, and this word agree is symphoneo, it means where we get symphony. If two of you harmonize together about anything, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, in unity with me and with each other, I am there in the midst of them. And so it says, the more you come into unity with fellow believers, the more uh, God is in the midst of that, and the more power is released through prayer. So it's not about the number of people in the prayer meeting, it's more about how much unity you have in the prayer meeting. Let me just finish with Psalm 133. It says, behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. God likes it. It's like the precious oil on the head, running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down to the edge of his garments. In other words, when the brethren gather into unity, then the anointing of God flows down from the head, who is Jesus. It's like the dew of Hermon descending on the Mount of Zion. Resurrection life, for there, in the place of unity, the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. The blessing of God flows. God commands the blessing to flow from the place of unity. And so it says we must endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace and put on love, which is the bond of perfection. We are to strengthen that bond of unity with our fellow believers in the body of Christ and be united to our husband and wife and most of all be united to God because in that place of unity is power, is the life of God, the anointing of God. If there is not unity, then you're just wasting your time. The first thing to do is to deal with the strife and come into unity. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time, whatever you try and do. I want to encourage you to get two of my CD series, which are my favorites, really, that build a strong foundation for your faith through understanding our covenant with God, the blood covenant and also the covenant names of God. If you have this in your heart, you will have such confidence in your covenant with God. Each series has eight CDs in and uh, it will strengthen your life greatly. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford. OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books, and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.